second. Isaiah blocked by a team. Nikhail, fall away. It's good. The basket counts. Moses Malone. And three seconds remain. Lock it in. There's like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the set. This is the Basketball Buzz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Logic and reason. With Zach Harper. Oh man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> Big Waz. Kristen's beautiful words about pop are the best advertisement for the CIA that I've ever heard in my entire life. It's funny, I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden turning out $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, this isn't for weed. This is a you know, lifetime achievement award. <laughs> right now. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. South will rise again. I'll oh take boy. that one. Oh <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I think. I, I don't think it's inconsistent. You've been popped, right? Yes. <laughs> he may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoy. Like everyone doesn't do well, they don't. Yeah, yes, it's This is a journey into sound. The mecca of basketball. <laughs> Everybody knows when you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value. We call him the commissioner here. He's the senior uh, press guy. Why is this game so important to cover, Bob? Well, the game itself is, as everyone agrees, the showcase of athletic talent that in, among, alone among the all-star games, the players can really play the game that they feel expresses their personality. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams, except I guess it does Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that this would happen in your home city? I never ever thought it would happen. This is something that, that you dream about and dreams are made of and and it I can't, I can't believe it happened. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. Who we got today? We got Wozni Lambre, we got Trevon Edwards, we got Dave DeFour, and our special guest, J.A. Adande, the professor. J.A., welcome. Thanks. What's going on, fellas? Oh, man. You know, not, going on? not much these days. <laughs> not a lot going on these days. But what we do have going on is we've been watching old games. We did a uh, we did game four of the 93 finals last week, uh, Barkley versus Jordan. And then J.A. had a great suggestion today, a fun throwback, the 1987 NBA All-Star Game in Seattle at the Kingdom, the 37th annual All-Star Game. Uh, Jay, why did you choose this one? I thought of this game when everyone was so excited about our highly contested All-Star Game this year. And, you know, it, and it was. It, w- it was one of the more dramatic and more intensely played All-Star Games that we've seen in a long time. And it reminded me of the days in the eighties when every all-star game was like this. And, and it, so this game was on my mind and then I'm just going to credit Google algorithms for, you know, bringing this to the forefront again. Cause I, I think I mentioned it to a couple people in the press room during all-star weekend about, Oh, this game was like 87. And lo and behold, recently as, as we were thinking of games to, uh, to rewatch for, for this podcast, there it was in my suggested videos in, in YouTube So um, thanks to the algorithms and thanks to the mind reading and and to the prying into our privacy uh, from all these large corporations, uh, this one rose to the forefront. And I'm really curious to see what you guys thought. You guys were barely even alive, you know, taking your first breaths on this earth. But this game has stuck with me for a long time. 
for a variety of reasons that we'll get into. But I'm just wondering what you guys thought of the 1987 All-Star Game. Can I start with the starting lineup? Sure. We got Magic Johnson, Hakeem Olajuwon, Tom Chambers, who was a replacement starter for Ralph Sampson, who messed up his knee, Alvin Robertson, and James Worthy for the West. Then we well, had there was, Trey. There was a cold-blooded sign in the stands CBS. that said "CBS Chambers better than Samson." Great eye. Damn, like, that seems unnecessary. Damn. Yeah, yeah. And they showed it. They showed it on TV. But it was his hometown. It's Whatever, his hometown. man. Like he got hurt. That was grimy. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't Facts. inaccurate at the moment. Sure, right? no. Like, I mean, Sam's it's a good it just seemed, Man, that's a tough one to see. So from the East, we had Michael Jordan playing point guard. Uh, Larry Bird, Julius Irving, who was playing in his last season, uh, Dominique Wilkins, and Moses Malone, who was traded to the Washington Bullets. Um, so during this season, obviously, uh, there's a few notes. Obviously, I mentioned Ralph Simpson, uh, Ralph Sampson being injured, but uh, Dr. J had started in every All Star game that he played in. Um, which was like one of three. He joined the company of uh, Bob Pettit and Rick Barry. Um, and then also the commercials were great in this little, like, cause it was really like VHS dubbed. So you still had yeah. the static and all that stuff. Um, but they did a special with, uh, Michael Jordan talking about his brother, Larry and how he was his biggest influence. And then they went to transition into a, uh, you know, a, a little cut scene of how Michael Jordan was the largest vote getter. He had a million, 141,733 votes and probably was the youngest guy on that all-star team. Well, it's, it's an interesting stage for the league because it really is a transition period in that the league doesn't belong to Michael yet, right? It's still Magic and Larry and those guys, but Jordan is ascending. And clearly by the fact he was the leading vote getter, um, Dr. J is on the way out, a guy who influenced so many of the people that played in that game. You know, you can see his influence in James Worthy and, and, and Michael Jordan, for sure, among countless others. Um, and Doc still had a little something left as you watch these games. He has some fun swoops yep. to the hoop. Um, you know, he can still hang in the air. Um, he tried to he tried to steal that MVP award. He, he tried to go for it. <laughs> Toward the end of the fourth. Absolutely. You know, this is the first all-star appearance for, for Charles Barkley. So you've got the MJ Akeem Barkley, the top guys in that 84 draft. So this is that that fabled 84 draft starting to to take prominence in the league. Um, you know, it's still magic and Isaiah. Moses Malone is hanging on. I think he had like 24 points and 15 rebounds in this game, including the, the game tying tip in 27 and 17 should have been the game winner. He was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just interesting, you know, Kareem still hanging on. Kareem still had another couple championships left in him. Um, it's, it's weird. We don't realize it, but this is the beginning of the scent of bird. This, this is birds end of the, the peak. He, he wins the, uh, he wins the three-point shootout that year. He wins it the next year. But I think he's the reigning MVP and the reigning champion. But I think it's the last time that he wins either of those. So he's still very much at his peak. But it doesn't get better from that point on for him. You know, he, he has peaked. Jay, you mentioned that Michael was still not Michael yet. And it wasn't in his arms into that, you know, that infamous 88 season. But this guy scored 40, 22 times and was averaging 37.1 at the particular time going into this All-Star game. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. But I will say this, though, and people forget what the narrative was on Michael. And the narrative was that he was a great scorer, but he didn't make his teammates better. 
Right. And that, that he hadn't been a champion. And also, you have to remember the league. So at that point, until Michael did it in 91, I think he did it in 91. But um, until Michael won a championship as a scoring champion, it hadn't been done in like 20 plus years. So the narrative was you couldn't be the best scorer in the league and win a championship. And, and that's why there was so much emotion when Michael finally broke through and won it was because he was they told him that you couldn't do it this way. And so, yeah, he was great, but people didn't really think he was coming for Larry and Magic's throne because it hadn't been proven that you could be a scorer instead of the all-around player like Bird and Magic were. So, Waz, he, w- he was Dion Waiters 1.0. That's what they're saying. <laughs> Jay, was the term hot-dogging uh, an 80s term or, or early 90s? Oh, it was definitely 80s. You you hear it all the time. I remember being very young, uh, probably going to 89, 90, hot-dogging, for not passing the ball and imitating Michael. But it was just such a, a funny verb <laughs> being the usage of you're, you're hot dogging. You need to pass the ball. Yeah, they say stuff like the and, mustard's off the hot dog and stuff like that. Yeah, right? that, yeah. that was a Chick Hearn. Yeah. You know, I grew up on Chick Hearn with the Laker broadcast. And there's a famous one involving Michael, actually, where um, he had a breakaway dunk against the Lakers at Chicago Stadium. And he goes up for the dunk and he misses it and the ball flies. And, yeah, Chick Hearn was just going crazy. Oh, the mustard's off the hot dog. Um, but yeah, you'd hear it a lot. I think that was a Hubie Brown phrase too. You know, he's, he's hot dogging it out there. I think, you know, it's funny, Jay, you asked like, what was my, what was our impressions of the game? I think you're wrong about this year's all-star game in that in 87. There's no comparison, like in the sense of the intensity from the freaking jump ball in this 1987 all-star game, this year's game can't compare. Like it got competitive towards the end. And of course, when they, you know, when they did the first first team, the 155 or whatever it was, like it became this possession by possession. Everybody's giving their, um, you know, highest amount of effort. But I don't think they're like throughout the duration of the game. I don't think the intensity even compares. Like from the the moment this game starts, they're taking this dead seriously. Well, the the number of contested dunks in this game, right? And and then the Yo, way guys are dude. crashing the boards. You know, just look how congested the lane is the whole lane time. Every was. time a shot goes up, three guys are going up to block yeah. it. Three guys are crashing the oh, board. Oh, they were taking it's turns crazy. trying to block Tom Chambers' dunks. Like, they were like, it was a whole line for it. At one it. point, they give the rebounding stats on CBS in the All-Star game. Yeah, like, they who, give for who, the, who the last time quarter. you saw rebounding stats yeah. given in the All-Star game? <laughs> you, you mentioned that this year's All-Star game reminded you of that. I think the difference is that the intensity from the jump in this game, like they were just so physical, uh, try like throwing real elbows in an all-star game. You, you see it in the, yeah, there's, well, there's elbows. Fair, there's guys Giannis threw an elbow there's, at James like, Harden. There's guys like, I think somebody crashes on like Dominique when he's going for a break or Akeem going for a breakaway <laughs> dunk. And somebody it was Dr. Yeah, J. Dr. He Jane, had yeah. a, a flagrant one. <laughs> Oh, on a on a Kim, yeah, on a yeah. yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Or breakaway, and Doctor Jane comes in and like tackles him basically, and like no, no dunks, you know, even an All Star game. Sorry, no breakaway dunks for you. Um, but what really, and and I remember this at the time, and and this is one of those things that's not quite as great as you remembered it, but in the fourth quarter, Magic and Isaiah both check back in, and they kind of look at each other. They say, "Let's go." And there's this stretch where they just push it back and forth. And, you know, you know, get it. You know, Isaiah comes down, push, push, pull up jumper. Magic, you know, the inbounds the ball to Magic. He pushes it the other way, like throws to Worthy for a dunk. You know, and they just go back and forth. 
And it's so exciting. And then at one point there's a foul and Magic and Isaiah just high five each other. You know, they're on opposite teams. They were close friends at that time. And they just had made it a pact, you know, that, you know, hey, we're going to pick up the intensity even higher. You guys said how it was there from the get go, but then they ramped it up even higher at the end. And it was just so fun. And you hear the crowd getting into it. And Magic and Isaiah were just loving it. Actually, I talked to Isaiah. I saw him Sunday night. Uh, of All-Star Weekend, and, and I asked him a little bit about that, and, and he remembered it. And he also remembered in 85 that both he and Larry Bird got injured. They were playing so hard in the All-Star game, but they both came back and played afterward. It was like, you know, they rolled the ankle, maybe tweaked the hamstring, because <laughs> that's how hard they used to play during All-Star games, is, is they could, you know, they, they, would, they would pick up injuries. But then guess what? They didn't load manage afterward. They went back out and played when the regular season was over. And watch Moses go to work. And right there, used his body to keep Akeem away from himself so he could tip it in. Both all-star career highs for Moses Malone. 25 points, 16 rebounds. And I want to ask you guys who, um, who jumped out at you like during this game, right? Like For me, the two guys, obviously from the big names, Magic and Bird and all of that, but for me, the guys that jumped out at me the most was Moses and Tom Chambers. Like Moses just because like, He's just relentless, and his use of his yeah, body and his leverage is just, it's incredible. Dude, he's moving dudes out of the way every single time, and he can move really, really well. Like, two minutes in the game, he did a Euro step. Moses Malone and Akeem. And Moses teaching Akeem something, and he taught him in Houston. And laid the ball in. I was like, yo, this dude is incredible. Like, on a fast break, He's he, handling it like that. He dude. banked it in from straight away on the layup, right? Like he used the glass on a, yes. on a layup in front of the rim. It was great. That dude like jumped out of the screen to me. And Tom Chambers is like, he's picking and popping. Barkley doubles. Chambers for three. And Tom Chambers, seven points. He's the high scorer for the West All. He's taking dudes off of the dribble. He's vertically challenging the rim. He's got a little handle. Like, I'm like, yo, this this guy's fucking amazing. Like, you could plug and play both of those guys. Obviously, the context for the today's game informs all of my, you know, how I'm viewing this shit. But, like, you could plug and play Moses and Tom Chambers specifically right now. Because Moses is getting every rebound, and you can't put some little dude on him. He's going to hurt that dude. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, so put lost. Tom Chambers in Houston. Right, I'm gonna throw I'm oh gonna throw a head in it and, and be a dark horse and say Rolando Blackman. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he that's he, Brooklyn right there, Zach. Of course, like he, no, if I'm he doesn't, yeah. if he doesn't, if he doesn't make those free throws, we don't get overtime. And he's very he's very aggressive. And then also the commentators make a comment. I mean, obviously Michael Jordan's being very passive, but they're trying to make it seem as if he's a Jordan stopper because he's very <laughs> yeah. long. Oh yeah. Cause he's long. He's too, he's bigger for, for most guards. That's and Michael wasn't even, Michael was but really Mike deferring was really to Dr. J because this was more of his last game. You know what I mean? Like, Go for it, Dr. J. You know what I mean? It hasn't Michael's league yet, you know, and yeah. it's, it's very apparent. And it's just so different from the way we remember the last 20 years when Michael ruled over everything. But in 1987, even though he came into that game as a leading vote cutter and a leading scorer, like that collection of the game's greats, you know, he still had to take a, a back seat somewhat to those guys. Um, I just want to go in order the guys you mentioned. Um, Moses, I'm glad that. You guys got to look at what made him great. I, when he passed away, I, I wrote, he's probably the most underrated all-time great. I mean, he's a guy, three-time MVP, 
um, top 10 in scoring and rebounding in the league, you know, maybe not top 10 scoring anymore, but when he retired, he was, um, and you, you just saw the greatness and, and the only guy, the, the only non Laker between 1980 and 1986, you know, the only guy to break through that, that Laker stranglehold on the Western conference was Moses. So the, the guy to, to win MVP with the, the lowest rated, uh, you know, the lowest ranked team, lowest ranked player, I should say, if you look at what his team did when MVP until Westbrook won it a few years ago. Um, and, and the fact that he could play that way in an all-star game, you know, uh, you know, that was his style. Relentless, attack the boards, you know, just keep pounding you, he wearing you down. He was mauling Kareem. He was Jay, just could you, Can you tell us him. a little bit? Can you tell us a little bit about that 1983 series? Yeah, well, I was just going to transition to that. So basically what you saw in that game was the story of the 1983 NBA Finals. The Sixers swept that series. The Lakers had the lead at halftime of every game of that series. And then Moses would just wear them down in the second half exactly the same way he played, just relentlessly attacking the boards, get the rebound, miss it, get the rebound, miss it, get the rebound, put it back in. He just wore Kareem down. And Kareem, you know, that's 83 Kareem, you know, who still had left a lot left in the tank. Kareem, who won the NBA Finals MVP in 1985, just couldn't you know, just couldn't hold off Moses, that relentless attack. Moses, the MVP of the regular season that year, the MVP of that championship. Um, it wasn't even called the finals back then. Um, so, so that what you saw out of Moses was basically the story of the 1983 NBA finals. And it was also back when you could be a real star doing dirty work too, right? Like it was, it was before it became such a wing dominant league and the big guys were, they led. I mean, it was Kareem, and it was it was Moses, and and those guys were really star players. Robert Parrish and and Kevin McHale, and so it, he came at the right time to also kind of be an all time great and, and be recognized during the time for being an all all time great. I think we forget about him because he didn't do much off the dribble. You know, it wasn't that that Jordan style of play that we got used to for you know. 20 years between Jordan and Kobe. And there's, there's no highlights. I mean, Kareem, right. you have those majestic skyhooks, but the Moses highlights, like, even in this game that you guys yeah. talked about, I mean, he had that, that late tip in, but other than that, can you recall? Any- he didn't make any of his hook shots in this game. Yeah. Like I and said, he that- also was like kind of upset that he had to play a little bit longer after the fallout and he had to sub in. Cause he looks like he was pretty much ready to go at 39. <laughs> so, so chambers, um, First of all, that dunk he had over Mark Jackson is one of all-time great dunks yeah, ever. One of the greatest. You know, where he just elevates and, like, you know, his chest is above the well, rim. People don't know, uh, but that's that's when Mark Jackson got religious because that's when he was first baptized. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's that. And then it was clear Magic. So Magic used to, like, try to get guys the MVP, especially if they were playing in their hometown. So, like, the first couple times Magic has the ball, he gives it to Chambers. So, um, And then late in the game, he was going back to Chambers as well. And I love the fact that because Tom Chambers won the MVP, if you, if you watch after the game when they present, so they gave a check to like the Thurgood Marshall Black College Fund in the name of Tom Chambers. Congratulations for winning today's MVP award. And in your name and on behalf of Miller Brewing Company and Miller Lite, we will contribute $5,000 to the Thurgood Marshall Black Education Fund. Congratulations. And I love the fact that somewhere... There has to be a record of that somewhere. Some, I hope somebody held on to that, that, that check. So there is a check to the Thurgood Marshall Black College Fund in the name of Tom Chambers because of his performance in that game. <laughs> Waz is one of the good ones. And 
And and you know, yes, he is one <laughs> of the good ones. But to that point, JA, um, there's a point during the game where a graphic comes up where for some reason that I'm not really sure of, they're oh, you're comparing sure of it. Chambers' stats to Larry Bird's. You and I'm why. like, of all the <laughs> <laughs> You know what? And it's this thing that we've done with literally every single white forward after Larry Bird, where he gets compared to Larry Bird. Well, I don't ha- care if you it's have Steve Van to. Horn. No, you have to. Freaking Tom Gugliotta used to get compared yeah. to Larry Bird, dude. We, we did they it with every They were just tall and can spread the floor, Was I know. It's just ridiculous, though. Because him and Bird don't have similar games. It's just... They're white and forwards, you know what I'm saying? But speaking of that, though, and, and you know, you still saw it in the 80s and then into the 90s, though, but the, the white American all-star, you know, so Chambers, Bird, McHale, yep. you know, in this era. So you still had it. It wasn't such a rarity. I'm no, trying to think. It was the last white American-born all-star. Was it um, uh, Wally oh, Zerbiak? No, Kevin Love. Kevin, Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Yeah. Kevin Love. Kevin Love is the last of the Mohicans. So I dove really (laughs) deep on this after this game, right? After watching. And I never knew that Tom Chambers was a Seattle supersonic. And I found out that he is actually a pioneer of of, uh, free agency. Now, during this time, the Seattle supersonics had traded for a very young Michael Cage and had drafted a uh, a Derek McKee the year before, but after 87, this is how Tom Chambers got to Phoenix. He had to, the league, uh, the league issued a, and this is because of head of players union, Larry Fleiser. Yeah. Fleiser. Okay. They had two rules. You had to be in the league seven years or more and have played through two NBA contracts before you can actually leave. And Chambers was the first player to head, uh, outside of his contract because uh, uh, Seattle didn't match it. And he ended up going to Phoenix and he was the very first player to do that. Well, it's just a lot of these players um, that, that kind of paved the way or advanced. So, you know, going back, Oscar Robertson was a guy that really sacrificed to, to help get free agency. Um, but it really didn't kind of take hold until the eighties, you know, the seeds were planted maybe a decade earlier but uh, you really didn't see NBA free agency. You know, that's why Kareem had to force a trade to the Lakers, for example, um, from Milwaukee, because you really didn't see a lot of movement. So it's interesting. I, I wasn't kind of aware of what got things loose. I, I wasn't aware that Tom Chambers was, was one of the guys. I, I did know Jared Dudley was the guy through his, his agent that introduced the escape clause, which really became prominent in the 90s, which was a way that, you know, the, the they, so it used to be you could only sign a free agent contract into slots. So a team would get rid of a guy and then you could, you could sign a guy at that same slot, you know? So like if the guy was making $1.8 million, you could sign a guy for $1.8 million. And um, so guys would do that. And then they came up, they used the the Larry bird clause, which said that you can go over the cap to re-sign your own free agent after for any amount. So what they would do is they would sign for a year with an escape clause. They'd sign a multiple year contract, but have an escape clause in it. And then technically they were a free agent and could resign for anything under the bird clause. So, you know, they'd sign a one year or they sign like a six year, $15 million contract. And then after one year exercise the escape clause and then re up for like $50 million. 
Um, and then they close that loophole. That's why you have like the early bird now. So, so that you can't, you can't just do that one year escape clause and then resign for anything. That was a loophole that, that got closed. And Jared Dudley was the first to use that loophole following in the footsteps of Tom Chambers. By the way, just want to say a quick shout out to Larry Fleischer, the first president of the, um, the NBA Players Association. Um, before that, uh, there was no there was no union. There was no organization as far as the labor in the league. But he was the first president. You know, under him, they got pensions, minimum salaries, disability pay, um, free agency, of course, as Jay just mentioned. This dude's a labor legend, man. Incredible. I, I can't believe you guys have missed the actual star of this All-Star game. It's it's Tommy Heinsohn. Tommy Heinsohn. Oh, he's is, great. Oh, my he's God. He's so good. He's, he's amazing. He, he, he introduced four <laughs> different so types of players. Good. Wide bodies, leapers. Wide body, Moses Malone. Yeah, wide body, yeah, he's the premier wide body of the league. Uh, That's right. Wide bodies, leapers, basketball brains, which uh, Kevin McHale and Larry Bird both fit into those. And then, uh, of course. And then creators. Those are the four types of players. I think he's good, though. They're, oh, he said wide body the whole time. Like, he was really trying to make fetch happen. Like, that's what it was. <laughs> was, was. I'm, I'm stealing it. Wide body is coming. Mean, like I'm going to no, use it. No, we it's don't good. need to no. have him announcing come back like that. Like <laughs> only wide body. I, I miss the old one. intros. The the CBS NBA and CBS intros were great. The music you could bring that back, but you don't need to bring back Stockton and Heinsohn. I mean, also, this, this also like- he refused to call Dick Stockton Dick. He called him Richard. He wouldn't say Dick on air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I respect it, man. Oh, no, there's a few all-stars that kind of get swept under the rug for their contributions in the 80s, and I wanted to highlight some of those guys. Um, so from the East, we had Jeff Malone. Um, had one of the craziest shots in NBA history, that falling away in the corner. I don't know if you guys remember if you've seen this highlight, but he's, there's like this long baseball pass up the court, I think at the end of a game, but it might have just been the end of, end of at the cap center yeah, with the bullets. Yeah, and he and he chases it down and is like falling sideways out of bounds, like into the corner, and just throws up this crazy shot that arcs over the backboard and in and in for three, and it's one of the most amazing shots in NBA history. Then we have Alvin Robertson, who was uh, getting noted pretty much getting noted for his uh, defense. So he was a defensive starter um, during his time with the Spurs. Which Dick, which Dick Stockton was like, fr- like, maybe this is a sign of things to come, of people respecting defense. Which player um, did they highlight saying he made it back from drug rehab? Walter Davis. Yeah. Mm. I was like, this is a crazy like narrative right yeah. here that y'all just shoveling into this game right now. I know they just dropped this in, but but it was so common back then. You know, like the drugs were such a problem in the 70s and the 80s. And so the- it's not OK to take drugs. If someone tries to tell you different, say I'll pass. We're all in this together and we want you to know the NBA family says no to drugs. So here's what happened. Um, so but you'd get that narrative a lot. Right. The guy overcomes his drug problems and comes back in the league. And so it, it wasn't that like unusual to tell that type of story, even in the middle of an it, all star casual. So so in fact, it was so frequent and it became a regular thing where guys would have drug problems, go into rehab, come back and then they would win the comeback player of the year award. And it kept going to guys, you know, it was meant to. It's meant for guys who overcame injuries or things like that, but it it kept going to guys who came back from drug rehab. And so that's why they changed it to most improved player. So it Mm. used to be comeback player of the year 
And like three or four years in a row, it went to guys coming out of rehab. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it did happen repeatedly. And that's so crazy. They're they like, you know, <laughs> isn't it though? That's crazy. Most improved player. And Trey, to your point, another guy that I wanted to bring up to, you know, forgotten 80s guys are Sleepy Floyd. Um, Isaiah couldn't stay in front of him, dude. He was just getting to the rack at will against this dude. It was amazing. Between him and Fat Lever, they had the best names. Sleepy Floyd and Fat Lever. Now, was this, I'm trying to think, was this before or after Sleepy's game where he just went crazy on Michael Cooper in the fourth quarter of that playoff game? So Sleepy was on the Golden State Warriors, him and Joe Barry Carroll. So at some point in the late 80s, he, he, he has this playoff game where he just goes nuts and drops like 30 in the fourth quarter against Michael Cooper, who was one of the best perimeter defenders, if not the best in the game at the time. And he just destroyed him. When, when Joe Barry Carroll checked in the game, Tommy was like, you know, he's a great offensive player. A lot of people say he can't play defense, but in college, he was in foul trouble all the time. How can you not play defense if you're in foul trouble? Like, I'm like Yeah, what? he said that was an indication that he gave a damn. Yeah, that was that an indication. His, he that had effort. a willingness to play defense because he was always fouling people. Right. I, I, <laughs> it was so good. I'm so, I was like, yeah. I'm telling you, this Yo, man. I'm like, that's ruled, an interesting yeah. way of. Of of seeing that, he should have got, gotten the trait. yeah. He should, that, you know, you know, Waz, you know, what I used to say about Nikola Pekovic as a rookie. This guy wants to defend. He's always fouling people. Yeah, <laughs> clearly he has the want to. Yeah, uh, and also, obviously, before I think the trade, Mark Aguirre was the leading scorer in Dallas Mavericks uh, franchise history mm-hmm. at that time for that '87 team. Um, that was crazy. Ama- the, the early story of the Mavericks is Mark Aguirre. That's it. Like when when he got good. That's when they first became legitimate. And I remember they had never beaten the Lakers, you know, in the history of the, of the expansion franchise. And then there was a game where he hit a uh, turnaround jumper, like at the buzzer to win it. And I think it was their first time that they beat the Lakers. I remember I was so mad. So this is back in the days when, you know, the, the television, you, you had to pull the, the knob to turn on the TV. Yes, and sir. so I, I, I punched off the knob. I turned off the TV by slamming my fist into the knob and it broke. <laughs> And uh, we, we had to use a creative means to turn on the TV after that because I broke it after Mark McGuire hit a, a game-winning jumper against the Lakers. J.A., so the Sleepy Floyd game was um, was 1987 Game 4 Western Conference playoffs. Western so, Conference so it was still to come. How many did he score in the fourth quarter? He dropped 20. No, he, yeah, he scored 29 points in that quarter, and he um, had 39 and a half. 12 consecutive field goals in the fourth quarter. That's a fun game to watch. He he just goes nuts in that game. Just because we're all staying home right now doesn't mean we can't get the restaurants and the food that we want to get. DoorDash will help you bring all of America's favorite flavors to your door. Ordering couldn't be easier. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat. Your food will be delivered to you wherever you are, which should be at home right now. Your favorite pizza joint. But there are over 310,000 restaurant partners. So you can get anything. You can get the local go-tos. You can get the favorite national restaurants. Whatever you want, DoorDash will bring it to you. And we've got a great deal for you right now. Our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BACK. That's B-A-C-K. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BACK. Don't forget that's code BACK for 5 bucks off your first order with DoorDash. So I want to talk about Rolando Blackman, and in particular, the the free throws that he made to tie up the game at the end of regulation. And one thing that's always stuck in my head from this game, when he drove 
an entire wing of the Hall of Fame rose up to everybody, block his shot. Everybody so went after it's, him. <laughs> it's Larry Bird, Dr. J, Isaiah Thomas, and Michael Jordan. I'm not sure who they called the foul Isaiah. on. Isaiah. He way out and blocked it. A foul is called with no time remaining. And Rolando Blackman is going to go to the free throw line with no time remaining and a chance to send this And here's Blackman coming into a whirl of traffic. And look at the foul he took. Isaiah yeah, Isaiah's the one that made him in the freaking <laughs> stomach. <laughs> Should have been a no yeah, call. Yeah, he was he was a bit reckless that last two minutes. I was surprised he took a charge too. No, he's he was Kyle Lowry. Should have been a no call. He got hammered. What are you talking about? I don't about? care. What are you talking about? <laughs> Isaiah let Thomas him, jumped let him on his the bat. game on the court. Dave, he mauled leave the it, guy. Dude. Leave it on the court. <laughs> Don't put him on he the line. He almost left his spleen on the court. What are you talking that about? I hated, that, I hated that so much. I, I hated it so <laughs> much. Because I didn't know that the game went in overtime. Like, I didn't spoil Me neither. I'm watching this I was game like, like I know oh, nothing man. about it. There's a lot of time left on YouTube for this game that's about to be over. You thought there was a big, big reaction, MVP game. ceremony? <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh. As soon as he started driving to the basket, I was like, yeah, the, uh, no. This and is, then they fouled him, and I was I was legitimately hot. I was pissed. This is the uh, yelled, this is the Liel special. That's not man. a foul. I mean, very much a foul. <laughs> this is the Liel special where he yells confidence, baby, confidence after the free throws. Liela loves that thing. He's talking about that all the time. See, I love how he, he talks the ball in. I love how Isaiah's trying to talk smack to him. And look what was happening before he took the shot. Magic is saying, "Hey, Isaiah." Stay away from my man. I don't want you talking to him. Don't try and psych him. Get out of the picture. Stay away. And little, there it is. A little hijinks. Magic has to box out Isaiah and, like, try to mute him. And then, I mean, think about that. This dude's shooting free throws in the middle of the, the Superdome with, like, 45,000 people watching me. He has to make both. Nine of 11 from the line is Blackman. He needs to make both. We are going to overtime in this 37th annual NBA. I mean, Anthony Davis had to make one out of two. This guy had right. to make both. Yeah, 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 facts. By himself with 45,000 people the watching. The first him. one was almost off, by the way. Yeah. And, and then he splashed the second one. How bad were guys at free throws during this time? Yo, they weren't even, like, going through a routine. They didn't do three dribbles. They didn't do any, like, extra stuff. It was, like, firing it up as soon as the ref gave if it to you, them. If you go back and look, like, Magic and Isaiah were always 80% type of guys, man. Like, it just their form looked crazy. <laughs> but, well, they shot – both teams shot 78% in this game, and I really felt like it was about 40. It felt like then, 40, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then watching them shoot, it was uh, it was forty five percent from the field and fifty two percent from the field, and I felt like both teams could not shoot at all. It was because there were some bad misses, like yeah, like the misses Larry Bird were just like clanking. Off yeah, the yeah. Was, I mean, they're also playing in a dome, you know, and I think right. that's one of the reasons why the NCAA percentage. championship games are always such it's bad awful. free shooting yep. because they're playing in a dome. So I, I think that's part of they, it. They shot ninety one combined free throws in this game oh, in an all star. Yeah. Because they're hacking. Uh, why was like no disrespect? He's a legend. He's an all timer. But Doctor J's shooting form is wild. It's yeah, wild. That oh. was successful. But he was splashing I mean, him. This I know. Game. I know. He knocked on the we just watched Bill Cartwright. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he shoots. He shoots like my grandpa shot. 
it's like he's it's over his it's like to the side of his shoulder yeah. where the ball it's is. It's wild, man. And he, oh, it's it's just not it a was, great form. You, I don't know if you got any of you guys still watch baseball, but like one of the big things about baseball is how individualistic the the batting stances and all of that is. Like you kind of develop your own thing. And it's actually when you watch these old games, there is a cutoff point where people started, you know, training seriously at a younger age and you get more uh, you know, homogenous jump shooting. But back in the day, I mean, these guys, uh, I, a lot of them, like, kind of just learned on their own, and then you left Jamal it alone, Wilkes, right? right? Like, right. Jamal Wilkes yeah, had Jamal that Wilkes, funky yeah. windup. And then the thing is, with Wilkes, the release was textbook, but he just had this real funky windup on the way. It would, like, start from the bottom. It was a little bit like Steph Curry, and that Steph, you know, puts a lot of his body in it. But Jamal would just have this whole long windup. And it was the funkiest looking jump shot, and I mean, there's never been anything like it before or since. Yeah, uh, Dave, I do I, I I do watch baseball, but you know that baseball's been suspended and tournaments have been canceled around the world with basketball. No, what? And yeah, no, was exactly. I don't know if you knew, and and there hasn't been a live game in what feels like a year, even though it's really just been like a little over a week, guys. Uh, but there's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than when they're taken away completely. But the athletic was. Listen to this. Still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. In these very strange, very uncertain times, they're still hard at work, doing excellent reporting, telling unique, engaging, informative stories. They're talking to Rudy Gay. I don't know if you knew that. Our reporters are talking to Rudy Gay right now, having a Q&A with him. Oh, yeah. I forgot I, forgot I did that. I yeah. had a conversation with Rudy Gay about... Uh, what he's doing during the you know the work stoppage, uh, guys that he's keeping up with, who he was, who he would have picked for the MVP, and who he thought was going to win the championship, right. all kinds of different stuff. His all-time well, favorite sneakers. It's a wide-ranging conversation. Yeah. Jack. Speaking of MVP, like I, I put out my awards rankings today. If, if, if there's no more season, this is who I this is who I pick. So you know that's out there. It's during times like these, was that the athletic can help keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports you love. But it's also tough right now, right? The economy's tanking, people are out of work. So if only there was a way to sign up for a 90-day free trial. Dave, can you believe that? 90 days? That's That can't be right. It's 90, 90 days, free trial. I can't believe it. It, just, it seems too good to be true. But that's the case right now. Storytelling that sets the athletic apart. You just got to go to athletic.com slash back to back for a 90 day free trial. Games are being played right now, but the stories that draw us to sports, they don't go away. Go to theathletic.com slash back to back. We hope to see you there. That, Jade. But that for a live read. Natural. That was a hell of a read. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I want to talk right. about some, some kind of peripheral things right now. First, um, a memory that you actually, it's not a part of this broadcast, but um, it's something that happened that weekend in Seattle, All-Star Weekend. And Remember, this is only like the second or third All-Star Weekend. Um, I think 84 was the first time they had the dunk contest, you know, and remember they had the, they did the uh, Legends games too. Oh and so too many of the old timers started like, like blowing ACLs and things like that. They do the highlights out there. Bob Cousy, 59 playing in that thing. <laughs> Why? Yeah. And, and they had to, they had to stop it. Cause like the next year, I think in Houston guys were literally getting carted off and it was just triage out there. So they had to stop with the legends game. Um, but they had a dinner and at that dinner, Jeffrey Osborne performed and he was singing, you should be mine, AKA the woo woo song. And he was going around and, uh, he would have different people in the audience sing and he got David Stern to sing and you woo, woo, woo. Wow. And 
Jeffrey Osborne told me that once and David Stern confirmed it to me. And he he didn't sing it. He said it. I said, did you really sing along with Jeffrey Osborne and All Star Weekend in Seattle? He said, yeah. And woo, woo, woo. And so he said it to me. I used to have the tape. I don't know if I still have it, but I I had David Stern saying when you woo, woo, woo. Um, so that was something that happened that weekend. Um, just a funny thing. I love the fact that Pat O'Brien, who used to host the halftime and the pregame show yeah. on CBS, that, that he did that interview all. with Bob Ryan. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Very Let's talk to Bob Ryan. Also, Bob Jay, Ryan they had the mustache. press literally sitting behind the bench. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that used to be commonplace at All Star Weekend and you know the Man. Final Four. You go back and watch any of the old Final Fours up until really just a few years ago, and the first two rows behind the players and the scorers table is all media. Must have been nice. I, I actually one of the wilder things was uh, at the end of the game, Pat Riley drawing up a play on paper and the camera just zooming in right over his shoulder and he was drawing up i mean it was i don't know they were setting a screen at the at the elbow or something so not the play that they wound up running but um i I was just like wow a coach now would be losing their mind over that even an all-star game not not only just the all-star game if you go back and watch the early finals from the 80s the tape delayed finals but, yeah, they'd be like that in the middle of the NBA Finals, like the camera and the boom mic all up in the huddle as the coaches are drawing up plays. And th- so it's funny. The one year, it's 81. It's the Rockets versus the Celtics. And Del Harris is drawing up a play. And Rudy Tomjanovic, still playing at the time, says, you know, don't you think we should do this? And kind of not overrules him, but but just comes up with a suggestion. And Del Harris acquiesces. I'm thinking, like, man. So even when he was playing for him, Rudy T was out coaching Del Harris. <laughs> But but you would get that Pat Riley, they would be the cameras would be all up in the huddles. You didn't have the in-game interviews, but I'd actually rather have these these great access into the huddles, wouldn't you? Uh, for sure. But, they, you know, everything's a, a state secret, though. even though, you know, Greg Popovich will tell you everybody runs the same stuff. It's still it's still a secret. I don't get it. I mean, you can really enhance. I mean, they're calling timeouts and drawing up plays even at the end of the first half, right? There's like two timeouts yeah. I think, in the final minute of the oh, first half of this Casey game. Casey so Jones and, and and Pat Riley are coaching their ass off. Uh, let me ask you guys a question because I thought about this specifically because of this year's All-Star game. Do you guys think the Elam ending would have made the ending of this game better? No, you don't think no, so? See, I, no. I think it would have been great no. if Moses had had tipped in the game winner. This is why the referee should have swallowed the whistle. Man, like, just think about <laughs> it. Was just second degree battery, Dave? Isaiah committed second degree <laughs> battery. I thought they were tougher. I thought they were tougher, more physical back. Yeah, that's then. a funny Come thing. Come on, Look, that's I, that's not even a foul. Yeah, no. Kareem threw an elbow <laughs> really on was. Moses, and and Dominique got the yeah. foul yes. for it. Like. Right, Mo- oh, Moses. Was- Moses took a dive, though. He did. Oh, yeah, yeah. He Moses took a dive. dive. Barkley well, threw threw an elbow on Mark Aguirre. Um, after like gathering a loose ball, like they were in it. By the way, Barkley uh, leading the league in rebounding at six four. Yeah, it's getting pretty four, incredible. Fourteen a game, man. No, it, it was. You know, the, like I said, the the league, the the star power in the league. Zach, we got to talk about this. It's funny. I, I knew exactly what prompted it when I saw you post this on Twitter yesterday. The Converse Weapon oh commercial. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. This, Jay, you, you got to drop that yeah, in. You got to drop a, the, the whole rap in here. there. 
and and play the, the you have to get the full version. So the version in, in this YouTube uh, clip that we saw was was clipped off because they didn't have magic. Because magic starts it off the converse weapon. That's the shoe that let magic do what he was born to do. <laughs> that might be true, but that's not all that Isaiah played like he's ten feet tall. The converse weapon. That's the shoe. That's magic do what he was born to do. Maybe so, but that's not all that let Isaiah play like he's ten feet tall. For the kind of moves. It never fail. The weapon's the choice of Kevin McHale. The same is true for Mark McGuire. When I wear weapons, I'm on fire. Well, what can the weapons do for King? Why, well, I can do just about anything. You already know what you did for me. What? I walked away with the MVP. The Congress uh, weapon. The number one weapon in the NBA. Hey, you might have to you might have to upload a video of your rap right, yeah. and start battling <laughs> on social media, yeah. bro. You you already just bodied Broussard with that. That's <laughs> <laughs> But you know what's funny? I did a few New Year's Eves ago. I was at Charles Barkley's New Year's Eve party, and Ken McHale was there. And somehow we started doing McHale's part of this song. Oof, that was that was tough to sit through. My unknown bucket list was was singing Kevin McHale's line in the Converse Weapon Rap with Kevin McHale. McHale was the most on beat. McHale was pretty good. With kinds of shoes. Was he? Yeah, yo, he was. He was. Yeah. <laughs> was he was he? out of everyone there. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't let Larry uh, don't let Larry ruin it at the end for you. Larry didn't know where Larry was Big Sean. He didn't know where the beat was. He didn't care. <laughs> Larry did spoken word. Everyone else was rapping. Larry Larry uh, spoken word. So so can we talk about magic now? Converse had like every MVP in the eighties. Magic. Yeah, yeah, they were stranglehold. I mean Moses That's- Moses and Jordan were like the only Nike guys in this All-Star game. So I looked at I looked at the sneakers before you start was the Jordan 2 was highlighted in this in this uh in this uh game. They did they showed a commercial also. Um but there were low top Pumas, the Clydes. Uh there was some Adidas shown and then like you guys mentioned Vias? Probably. Yeah, because he did have a he did have a signature shoe deal with them, and then also, like you said, the Converse weapon was kind of uh, worn by the stars, you know, certain stars of the league. Zach, I got some Dominique takes, by the way. Oh man, Ooh. after this, I got some Dominique okay. takes. Oof. I got Worthy was a New Balance. Who was a New Balance? Could you say that again, James? Worthy, James Worthy, James, James Worthy. Worthy, Big Game James. I used to have a New Balance poster of Worthy Duncan in Boston Garden. It just said Worthy, period. And it was him wearing his New Balances. You want to talk about a guy who, if he came along 10 years later, might be considered completely differently. James Worthy is one of those guys. Or if he didn't play in the shadow of Magic and Bird. And Kareem. Yeah. Like Magic well, and Kareem. Right. You know, like yeah. he, he had to take a backseat to those guys. But you saw some of Worthy, just like you saw Moses, mm-hmm. that Worthy baseline spin move. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that was yeah. somebody. That was crazy. The, the list, list. yeah. Yeah, that was just crazy. That was a crazy move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was signature James Worthy. And then he added, so like at that point, that's all he had. But then within a couple of years, he added like an 18-footer, 19-footer, mm-hmm. just to keep mm-hmm. defenses honest. You know, so if you backed mm-hmm. off him, he can make the 19-footer. Remember, Worthy is the MVP of the finals in, right. in a year. You know, yeah. so in 87, he, he's an all-star. In 88, he's the finals MVP. Um, you know, so... Worthy with his his baseline, like, and back then you'd guard him with bigs, right? Like Kevin McHale or Robert Parrish would switch on him, and he was just way too fast for them. And then if you went small on him, he could shoot the jumper over you. Um, I'm sure if he came along today, he would have three-point range. He'd probably be like a 37% three-point shooter. But James Worthy would have like a, you know, that baseline spin 
and then an 18 foot jumper. And I always said it was just unfair that he was on the Lakers because you have Magic and Kareem already, and then they get him, and that's just unfair. I, I wonder if if like it was like a Siakam situation where he wound up being the, the guy, the best guy who was left, like that was a wing, if we might have just seen a lot more. He had a little bit of shake off the dribble. You see a little bit of that in this game. Transition, I mean, he's just so long. That's what I liked the most, his transition game. Like, yeah, he was smooth. Just, yep. And just, Incredible I mean, finishing. his finish, that Statue of Liberty, you know, he just hold the ball high. That was his signature, hold it high. He had a couple of those in this game. Just that one-handed, over-the-head dunk. That was worthy. But I just missed... Well, there was one sequence where Akeem blocked a shot, gets it out to Magic, Magic on the break, give the worthy for the dunk, and it just made me wish. I mean, as great as Magic and Kareem were, if you would have had Akeem, you know, Kareem's on the downside of his career, still an all-star, but on the downside. But, like, if you would add a young Akeem on those Lakers teams instead of Kareem and just his activity, the steals and block shots that he could have started the fast breaks with. Oh my God. Yeah. Or David Robinson or anybody who could run Tom Chambers. Tom Chambers would have been great. Just anybody Yo, who could a point run where magic and Tom Chambers are just running a pick and roll and it's unstoppable play. Like, cause he could pop and he could roll. Like they just literally yeah. didn't know what to freaking do with that play right there. They reinvented really basketball down the stretch. Yeah. Can we talk about magic Johnson hunting assists in this game even when he had layups it's in clutch <laughs> moments. Are you calling so, Magic Rondo? Magic, Magic Rondo. Rondo in this game. So, I'm not saying that's how he was all the time, but in this game, this man had wide open they, layups. He's, he's dropping it off. Or, I'm sorry, as Tommy Heinsohn says, layoffs. He was, or laydowns. <laughs> laydowns. They're called laydowns, I think. So I wanted to talk about Magic because, you know, like obviously his era was before I became like a sentient being in basketball viewership right um but watching this game it's like to me he's clearly the best player on the floor oh, easily he's yeah, the he best killed. player yeah. on the planet in 1987 he was the best basketball player in the world. like he's incredible dude like, he wins the mvp and and he does it without scoring right yes. and, and i mean if it were a regular game yeah he would have taken some more of those shots in the in the all-star game he was all about trying to make everybody else look good and you know trying to make some fancy passes but um I mean, but you see the difference then why Magic was better than Jordan at that time. He just had to control the game. Obviously, Jordan went on to become the greatest of all time. And, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest Magic fan out there. And, it, it you know, at, at some point it just became indefensible trying to say that Magic was better than Jordan. But at that time, you oh, could see better. why. Clearly better. And just his control of the game was just... It was crazy, and like, cause he's going full speed at all times, and you can go full speed, but you're not processing the information at the same rate as this dude is. So he is just dissecting everything. Some of these dimes that he's dropping on people in transition, I'm just like, yo, how do you freaking defend this? Cause you're trying to get back, you're trying to find dudes, and this dude who's six ten is coming straight at you. And just finding every single angle is just crazy. You guys, we've been watching LeBron do this for a decade now. He made me think about LeBron, honestly. I'm actually like, came around, though. No one was doing it. I mean, think about it. This was the equivalent of turning Bill Russell into LeBron. You know, right, right. Same height. they're all 6'9". <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in the 60s and 70s, 6'9 meant Bill Russell. And then all of a sudden, Magic, you know, 6'9 could become Magic. And now it's really not a thing that 6'9 is LeBron. You know, right. and, and that LeBron is basically the same height as Tim Duncan and is doing these things. But back then, 
for a six nine guy to be doing that, that it was, was mind blowing. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you always hear people make the comparison because LeBron's a big guy who pushes the pace and he can pass. And, like, you know, I'm not. But when you watch Magic, when you watch him, it's like, yeah, I see it. He's so big, so fast, and he's just making these decisions in such. It's so. His decision making is so quick. It's crazy, dude. And so it used to be watching the game, especially if you were there in person and you could watch it in real time. You'd be at the game and you'd think, where are these open? And like by the time you could finish the thought, Magic had the ball to him. <laughs> you know, it's like you you might see it, you know, and you're up and you got a better vantage point. You know, you're up in the stands and you can see everything. And he'd be down there on the floor in real time. And as you're thinking it, before you can even finish the thought, he's recognized it and delivered the ball. I'm not going to lie. I was annoyed. By what? It was just a – it was – the flash on the pass and maybe it's the all-star game. So I'm trying to like not be a complainer about eighties magic, but it was some play. Cause I, a former point guard, I'm just like, okay, that was a little bit extra. Like now, now you're hating like John Wooden, John Wooden, you saw oh, too much, too much you know, flash. I prefer John Stockton. Don't be a, hey, I'm, I love no, 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 no. But it was, it was to a point, it was to a point where he is shoulder rock go behind his head, and then no look. And I'm like, bro, the defender probably done caught up. But again, like you said, in certain situations, it's like, you'll make the pass, and he already zipped it, or he'll throw a pass and spin. And I like obviously, this is way before it's actually become cool. So he's creating this on the fly. Him and Isaiah were like, I, I think the thing that I fell in love with just – taking me back to my playing days was the deep outlets and how fast they were pushing the pace. Like a basket would be scored. And then the cameraman would have to catch up to the receiver of whoever's going to be finishing on the other end. And you better be ready or you're probably not going to get the the rock anymore. And like you said, magic trying to find guys in their, you know, whoever was respectively playing in their home cities or whatever. Uh, during this time, like him and Jordan didn't score their first bucket into the late second quarter. Like they're just diamond shit off. And I'm like, wow. Okay. And then obviously with magic pushing the pace so much and everybody committing to who they're guarding, the lanes wide open. So he had a few dunks, a few finger rolls. And I understand how he ate. I, I mean, what did he average like 18 to 19 points per game with, uh, with high assists? Yeah. And the, and the thing was with magic, I think in this game he had like 14, 14, and 10, I think. Um, but he would – it was always the not just the numbers, it was the timing, right? It'd be like a crucial rebound in the fourth quarter, um, you know, the right pass at the right time, or, okay, he needs to make a basket. Like, I, I don't think he shot any jumpers in this game, maybe one. But, you know, if it was a regular game and he had to and they were backing off him and they're giving the jumper, he'd say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take the jumper. Um he would just do whatever it took and it would change from game to game. So sometimes he was a rebounder. Sometimes he was a passer. Sometimes they needed him to score. And what made him so great was his adaptability and just, he won. And this, this game was a good example. It was a good example of what Moses did and Moses didn't win the game, but you saw how Moses put his team in position to win and just how magic Johnson would just win games, you know, and, and growing up as a Laker fan in the eighties, 12 this season, it would be the fourth (laughs) quarter. And you would just think Magic is going to find a way to win this game. Whatever it takes to win this game, Magic is going to do it. And he would deliver it time and time again. And you you kind of got a sense for that in this. And in overtime, 
You know, so in in the fourth quarter, he kind of had to both punch going back and And in overtime, he's like, all right, we get, you know, it wasn't just get Chambers, you know, make Chambers look good. Like, okay, we we're gonna run this play that they can't stop, and we're gonna win. And you saw how pumped up they were to win, you know. Oh and at the goodness. end, he's like waving his arms to the crowd, and like, you know, when when they get the, they get that last foul, Ronaldo Blackman gets fouled, and they know they got him. Blackman's like pumping his fist and holding on to the ball, and Magic's waving to the crowd, and they're all standing. Like it meant a lot to them to win, and they didn't even have the gimmick of you know winning money to charity and giving some kids some money like they just wanted to win there was no bonus in it whatsoever they wanted to win and jay they had um you know when, when rolando blackman he gets that first free throw to crawl in at, at the end of the fourth quarter right that first one just crawls over the rim and, and falls in and magic one goes to congratulate it, and two starts boxing out isaiah because isaiah's yeah. trying to talk trash and get him out of there right like he's and, and magic immediately goes and starts boxing him out like that's just that's good teamwork right there and and it's just fun, right? Like the, the competitiveness, but the playfulness as well. Like, it, uh, I mean, all star games. The, the, you never had this narrative. What's wrong with the all star game? How do we fix the all star? You didn't need to. The players cared, and you saw it. That that game was such great evidence of how much they cared. They want. And I'm wondering if you lose that. A part of that was it was East versus West every year, and they kept talking about the game. Like the East had won six out of seven games in the all star games. So. You know, there was that rivalry. We're sick like of losing to, to these they guys. They had the talent advantage, the East. Yeah. <laughs> in that game, I even felt like they had the, the talent adva- advantage. Yeah, because in the West, it was usually the Lakers, you know, and then maybe the Rockets. You know, you had the, the Nuggets or the Spurs for a little bit. But, yeah, that, I mean, it used to be so stacked, the East. And it was also very distinct styles of play. The East was a slowdown game. And the West, yep. you have the Lakers running and the Denver Nuggets were high scoring. Yep. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was just two distinctly different styles of play, and that's some, that's one thing that's lost with the the choosing teams. And and again, they had to do things like to, to try to reinvigorate the game with some competitiveness. But I think one thing you lose is those rot, but also the fact that the players change conferences back and forth. Now, you know, LeBron, yeah. you know, back There's then, no continuity. You anymore. were East for it's life, for West for life, right? And now LeBron's a West guy. You know, if it was still East versus West, LeBron would be a West guy now. You know, so, I mean, those guys, they were all been in the All-Star game every year and they've been playing against each other every year. So, like, you built up a rivalry, not only in the finals, but in the All-Star game. Okay, so we got to we got to talk about some guys that <laughs> I got to talk about Dominique, man. I think it was Zach who was the first person to point this out to me, by the way. And he's just like... What? Dominique's a bit overrated, man. I mean, <laughs> like, look, dude, look. If he's if he's not jumping through you or over you, like he's not doing anything. But this like, is it, early Dominique too. Yeah, man. he didn't have the jumper yet. You know, you still saw that like that jackknife that that one time he goes up and he hangs and jackknives mm-hmm. and, and brings it back up. And, yeah, and he brings it back up and scores. Yeah. I don't, I don't love his double pump layup. It's nasty. But, it's nasty. but I will say, but I will say. He never really got the best of Bird, but his his matchups with Bird in the eighties oh, were great. Oh, they were great, but like Chuck Person had some good matchups, right? Like, I mean, I, this is like he's not Chuck Person, <laughs> but but Dominique is. Look, Dominique is the criticism that they gave Jordan. That's what Dominique yes. is. Yes, yes, yes. Jordan, Jordan overcame it. Dominique never did. Yeah, but no. he, he came mid round. What, what's interesting is that in this game, I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but one of the things about this game was that. You know, it, it's kind of a pre. It's, it's funny. At one point, they mentioned that Akeem might be the best center in the league at that time, and he, he very well could have been. But you still had Moses was there. You still had Kareem, who still had two more championships in him. 
But it, it's interesting how much longer it took for their time to arrive. Jordan is the best scorer in the league at that point. It's still another four years before it's his time. Akeem, arguably the best center in the NBA at that point, it's another seven years until he wins a championship. Yeah. Like the, the time that you had to wait and, you know, Dominique didn't blossom until later. So like the, the fact that you just kind of had to put in your dues and wait your time, um, you know, you, you see some of the seeds being planted in this game. You see the ascendance, but it's crazy to think that it's still several more years before it, it belongs to a Jordan and Akeem. And then you think about pretty much the whole 90s, is Jordan and Akeem winning championships, but it wasn't quite their time, and it was still several years away at that moment. Joe barely cares. Yeah, I don't. Joe I don't, barely I don't cares. Know. Come on, man. I, I just, I just, it was. Mm, I, I, I was like, man. Well, I did have a, I did like, have a note that that Dominique is the perfect player for this All Star game because all he has to do is cut. I have a note. <laughs> a, another speaking to that note, Zach. Like the style of play reminds me of when you go to the Y and you're playing against middle aged guys. Like the, the, everything is so intentional. Drop, hop step, bounce pass, right? Yeah. yeah, like it's everything is so intentional and methodical. Like a lot of it. Like obviously you got Magic doing oh. his free flowing stuff. That's everything, why like, he was a cheat code. Yeah, all right. That's why yeah. he was a right. cheat code. Everything's a, a better basketball DVD instructional. Serious, right? like that's what it is, dude. <laughs> but it's the All Star game, so it's like, yo, this is so crazy to watch. These guys are passing, cutting, setting yeah. hard screens. Like this is amazing. Oh, to also, watch, one, dude. One, one other thing. One one other thing because we got to wrap this up, but. Kevin McHale got a post up in like the mid post and immediately goes to a fadeaway over Kareem and he missed it, I think. And Tommy Hines is so says, see, everyone's afraid of Kareem. It's like, oh, he took a fadeaway. Like, why is like it doesn't mean he's afraid, or he said he was intimidated. He's intimidated by Kareem. It's like he just took a fadeaway. Like Fadeaway is a coward shot. It, I guess it was back in 1987. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this amazing episode. What a great game to pick. Uh, if you want to, if glad you guys enjoyed it. Oh man, that was um, fun. Thanks yeah. for having me on it. I'm glad. Yeah, you know, I was screaming in my house at some of these plays. Yeah, and <laughs> like, Dave was screaming at the foul. Yeah. <laughs> I really was. I was so mad. It made me so mad. Confidence, you baby. really like. Confidence. They robbed. They robbed it. <laughs> They robbed a great finish. Uh, for Jay and Dante, 91 free throws. <laughs> Dave DeFore. <laughs> for John Edwards. For Wazzy Lambert. I'm Zach Harper. Thanks, Jade Hoy. This has been Basket Buds on the Backpack Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh-huh.